Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. We're going to spend two weeks together talking about the anointing of God. And the title of the message is, Are You Low on Oil? The closer we get to Christ's return, the more crucial a role the oil will play. The oil of consecration. Have we gotten so keyed in on the grace of God that we have minimized holiness? When you are called to be apart from You must be extremely careful what you are a part of. When purity is a priority, you will live out what others can only read about. The oil flows when we consecrate ourselves. Second type of oil, the oil of correction. If you are afraid of correction, it usually points to a lack of confession. While Jesus never hides your sin. Jesus always covers your sin. One of the ways that oil flows in my life and yours is when we embrace correction. He says, those whom I discipline, I love. One of the best things about being a new creation in Christ Jesus is there's never a bad time for a new beginning the oil of intimacy. Oil is not possessed by the religiously observant. It is possessed by the romantically relentless. One of the biggest ways the oil is restricted from flowing in our everyday lives is a lack of intimacy in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When you understand God's desire for you, it always awakens your desire for Him. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Zechariah chapter 4. We'll get there at the very end of the message. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled The House Undivided. And we're finishing up this weekend a two-week message. And that message is titled, Are You Low on Oil? And last week, if you weren't here, you didn't watch the message, go back and watch the message online or listen to the message online, however you digest the content. And the reason is because you really have to understand the context of what we're talking about. Our text last week was Matthew chapter 25. And it's the parable Jesus tells of the 10 virgins, five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. What differentiated the two was the five wise virgins had plenty of oil in their lamps when the bridegroom came. Scripture says that the five foolish virgins did not have any oil. Now, we talked about last week that this is a last day's parable. Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like, and he tells this story. So last week, what we we did, we started off with three different You could call it types of oil, but it's really all one oil. And what we're talking about is different ways to see the anointing of God flow, the oil of God flow in your life. Because the point of Matthew 25, this parable that Jesus tells, is the oil. 
People have taught this and they make it about a bunch of different things, but the point of the parable is the oil. And the closer we get to Christ's return, the more crucial a role the oil will play. So let's continue this message. And remember the illustration I shared last weekend was on Riley's truck, that her truck leaks oil. And as long as we put more oil in it, the truck will take us 250,000 miles. We said that's a lot like the Christian life. We need the oil of God to pull this off, all right? So let's continue. Point number four, let's talk about the oil of anointing. The oil of anointing. Now, when oil is talked about in scripture, it is most commonly or most often referring to anointing and and Holy Spirit. Now we're gonna talk about that in point number six, but oftentimes when people think about the oil, they think about, Anointing with oil. Anointing is symbolic of being set aside for specific tasks for God. And if you're taking notes and you wrote that one liner down, I want you to underline the word specific. It's symbolic of being set aside. We talked about consecrated last week for a specific purpose. And that purpose is a specific task assigned by God. Look at Leviticus chapter 8, verse 12. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him, Aaron, holy for what? Not just setting him apart, setting him apart for a purpose. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not just consecrated, set apart. You are set apart on purpose for purpose. And you don't determine what that is. God determined it. And I'm going to show you that in scripture in just a minute. Look at this, making him holy for his work. His work, not just any work, his work. I don't know if you know this, but work is one of the ways we imitate God. Think about that. The entire book begins with God at work. For the first six days, Recorded in scripture, God was working. We are created in his image. We are created for a purpose. Another way to say it is work is one of the ways we imitate God. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. I want you to write that down in your notes. If you're taking notes, you can study this out this week. Many of us know this verse, but let's read it together. For we are his God's workmanship. God created us, okay? So we are his workmanship, okay? Part of his work was making you. Aren't you glad he did that work? Have you ever just looked in the mirror and been like, well done by you? (laughs) You know, it kind of had one of those David moments where David says, your workmanship is marvelous. And he's talking about himself. You know, where you just have to like tip your cap to David and just go, I I like you. You know, just every once in a while, you just kind of, you know, look at your life, look in the mirror. And it's not cocky. It's just, it's celebration, let's just call it. (laughs) And you say, well done by you, God. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for. This is a really important word in this message. Who would have thought the word for would be so important. It is because it tells you the purpose of something. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. What good works? Any good work? 
Watch this next part. Which God prepared beforehand. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for you beforehand, that you, that I, would walk in them. If you're taking notes, write this down. The one who prepared your work before your birth possesses the anointing required for you to pull it off. If you think when you wake up in the morning, you have this thought, I got this today. I got this. Like I've been doing this for years. I got this. No, you don't. And just when you think you got it, you realize you're not as good at getting it as you thought. We were designed to need God's help. We can't do it by ourselves. And one of the things we need to do our work is the anointing of God. Now, remember, I talked about last week, some of us have uh, PTSD as it relates to the charismatic movement. So when we hear about, you know, the anointing oil, some of us start flinching. Okay, part of what I want to do is help you understand this is not weird or wacky. This is scriptural. And I'm going to show you a couple different things. But Luke chapter 4, if you've got a Bible, you can flip there and just see this for yourself. I want you to see when Jesus shows up on the scene, I, I want you to hear what he says. He doesn't just show up for ministry and go, here I am, look at me. I want you to hear what Jesus himself says. Luke chapter four, verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For, there's that word again. Jesus knew his for. He knew what he was here for. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. This is the son of God. Jesus says, for he, the spirit of the Lord, has anointed me to, that's another way to say for, here's why he's anointed me, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit for ministry. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, make no mistake, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Not because I'm the son of God, because I'm a child of God. See, we look at Jesus and go, yeah, he had a special anointing. No, he had the same anointing as a child of God that any other child of God can have. Remember, we are co-heirs with Christ. What he gets in on, we get in on. Yeah, chew on that apple for a moment. Jesus says, the spirit of of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me for something specific. Now, how many of us believe that Jesus, Yeshua, was and is the Messiah, Hamashiach? Just put your hand, okay? And how many of us, when we talk about Jesus, we frequently refer to him as Jesus Christ? Okay, great. Here's what you need to remember. The Hebrew word for Messiah and the Greek word for Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one. This was so important to the work Jesus did on the earth. And here's here's the question we have to ask. Why? Because he was setting up a template for us to do our work on the earth. 
That's why he says, hey, right at the beginning, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do these specific things. Everyone realized that Jesus was anointed. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then, then because of that anointing, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Okay, write this one-liner down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, start with this one-liner, okay? If Jesus needed to be anointed for his work, you definitely need to be anointed for yours. That's how I see it. Some people would look and go, yeah, I don't have access to that kind of anointing because I'm not the son of God. I look at it from the other side. If Jesus needed to be anointed for his work, I most certainly need to be anointed for mine. I can't do what God created me to do unless he anoints me to do it. Now, what does that actually look like? Because you might be asking, all right, what am I anointed to do? Write this down if that's you. If you're not sure what God has created you to do, what you are anointed to do, write this down. What is it you do that seems to have God's hand on it more than anything else you do? Whenever you do it, it just seems like there's something different about it, that people receive it differently. You know, maybe it's you have the gift of encouragement. God's anointed you to encourage, and you have friends who encourage, but the result of their encouragement is just totally different than the result of your encouragement. Here may be the reason why, because God's anointed you to encourage. And I could go down the list. Maybe God has anointed you in business. And when you sit in a boardroom and, and you just speak up, it's totally different than when other people speak up in the boardroom. It's quite possible God has anointed you in the arena of business. We can just keep going down the line, okay? I remember though, my first year in ministry, of vocational ministry. I remember the first time I did uh, what most would probably call counseling with a single mom uh, who was pretty young and she had a teenage, a 13 year old girl uh, who was going through some difficulty. And at the time, I think, I don't even think we had kids. Um, we didn't. I'm trying to do the math here. As you get older, have you ever noticed your math and your memory don't quite work as sharply as you, you know? Uh, sometimes that works out. Like when you're fishing, you know, and you say, yeah, I caught a big fish. And someone says, how big of a fish? And I say, I think it was around eight or nine pounds. And it was actually like three pounds, you know? That's, that's actually lying. So that's, that's different. But I remember being in this counseling appointment with this mom and I was so nervous because I was sitting there thinking, okay, I'm, I'm like 22 years old and she is in her late twenties, maybe around 30. And what, what am I going to tell her? She's got a teenage daughter. I don't even have kids. And I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, what am I doing here? This is literally insanity. And so I just prayed and she came in and we met and there was a moment about 30 minutes in where God showed up in a way I had never seen him show up before. And he gave me some wisdom to give this mom. And so I just sweetly and humbly submitted it to her. She starts crying, totally changed their home, their family. Listen, that wasn't me. I, I don't know how, at 22, I don't know how to raise kids. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I felt like I needed to give her a disclaimer. 
hey, anything I tell you, don't listen to because I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But don't you kind of feel that way sometimes? But here's what's different. When God is involved, you don't give disclaimers. You just speak what you hear. And I learned that day, that's something God anointed me to do. So here's what I would say. Once you figure out what God has anointed you to do in this season of your life, and in different seasons, there are different anointings. And I may teach on this at some point, a full series on it. But once you figure out what God's anointed you to do, here's my advice, especially in these days, do more of it than anything else. When you figure out what God's anointed you to do, do more of it than anything else. Because it's just fun. It's fun when God anoints you to do something in a way you could never do in your own strength. When you live your life in that way, you will see more oil dumped on you. Because what you're saying is, God, I'm taking this vehicle out for a spin. Need that oil. This mom doesn't need to hear what I have to say. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Holy Spirit, speak. When you find out what God's anointed you to do, do it more than anything else. Here's point number five. The oil of unity. The oil of unity. Write this one down. Unity begins with being different. See, most people think that unity agrees, that unity begins with agreement. Not so. Unity actually begins with being different. Because it's only when we're different that unity is actually valuable. If we're all the same, we're just robots, and there's, that's really not unity, it's monotony. Unity begins with being different. My best friend on planet Earth, Pastor Tim Ross, uh, just drove through town this week with his two boys. Um, for those of you who know Tim, and I'll, I'll just give you a heads up, Tim will be here at our Scottsdale campus preaching live next weekend. And Tempe, I'll be down with you preaching live next weekend, and I can't wait to see you. My best friend Tim will be here preaching at our Scottsdale campus. And Tim and I met about 12 years ago, and we always say when we introduce one another that, that we're twins. And people always laugh. And the way Tim says it is, he says we're twins, Preston's just taller but most people laugh because he's African-American and I'm not. And 12 years ago, God supernaturally put us together. He had started Young Adults Ministry at the Potter's House. I had started Young Adults Ministry at Gateway in Dallas. We had heard of each other but never met. Someone introduced us. And the first moment we sat down for lunch, so the, last, the first time we met, I'll quickly tell you the story, was the first service, Young Adult Service at Gateway of the new year. And Tim was sitting in the front row, just listening to the message. And he, he, he was squirming like a, a five-year-old that you're trying to dress in the morning, okay? He's just squirming. And he's looking around, and he was, he was giving a shout-out every once in a while. Like, I'd say a one-liner, and he's like, what? <laughs> and I, I, it, it was absolutely awesome. And he's looking around going, how come everyone is so quiet when he drops a bomb like that, you know? Afterwards, he comes up to me at the altar and he says, we have got to go to lunch. So the next day, we, we go to lunch at Cheesecake Factory. It ended up being a four-hour lunch. And we end up holding hands at the end of it, praying. Now, a lot of people on the outside look at me and Tim and go, yeah, black and white, they're, they're totally different. Well, 
truth be told, we're very, very similar in a lot of ways. God wired our hearts in such a way that we actually are convinced we were fashioned in the same womb because there's just too many similarities. Like he, he totally gets me, knows how to finish my one-liners. I mean, we're, we're like, he's one of the greatest gifts God's ever given me, but we're very different in some ways. And if you would have met me 12 years ago, I, I, am, I was nowhere near the kind of person that I am today. I was a lot uh, less vulnerable. Uh, I never cried in front of people. I know that's hard for you to imagine. <laughs> I never cried in front of people because I felt like it was a sign of weakness. And so I, I just didn't. Like I was never gonna give somebody else the upper hand because I was so insecure. Well, then I meet Tim and he's, he's a crier, which, which I believe is just the anointing of God flowing down literally, you know? But he's also a, a very loving person. He's a hugger. Like when I go to shake hands, he, he just hugs perfect strangers on the street. It's just the way he is. So the first time we meet, we're, we're, remember, I'm like the, the wall, okay? And he is like the, the breaker through of walls, okay? <laughs> Emotionally and relationally. And I'm just like this kind of, I'm just playing my cards close to the vest. And he's just all in from, from moment one. We were talking about this this week. And we got a kick out of it because I've come so far. I'll just say it that way. Not like I'm some great. I was just so jacked up back then. So we're having our, our first meeting together. And at the end, he's like, well, we, we, this is just a holy moment. We've got to pray to finish this out. And he puts his hands out to hold my hands. And I'm just going to be truthful with you. He's going to watch this. And so he, he's now going to be aware of what I was thinking. I was like, we are in a public place. <laughs> like I am not holding you. I don't even know you. <laughs> like what the what? I no, 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 don't touch me. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like this, you know, and he just keeps moving his hands forward. <laughs> so then we're like in that awkward moment. I'm like, I know this is a holy moment. Okay, are you watching this? Like, I should get extra credit for this. <laughs> and we hold hands and we pray. Now, when you're holding hands, I'm just going to tell you kind of how a man thinks. When you're holding hands with another man in a public place, you, like as spiritual as it was, I was ready for it to be over pretty quickly. <laughs> this guy had his quiet time. Like we are 12 or 13 minutes in and I haven't even prayed yet. My hands are sweating. Like I, I, I just, and I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, now my hands are so wet, I think they can slide out and he wouldn't even know. Finally, I pray. My prayer was like eight seconds long. We wrap it up and we get up from the table and he comes in to give me a hug. <laughs> well, you know, when, when a hugger is a hugger, they don't care if you're not. They're just coming in no matter what. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. So he comes in and he like holds me. And I'm sure he could tell what was going on because I'm trying to, you know, dismiss myself from the embrace. And he's just holding on to me. And then 
something that had never happened to me before happened. We're walking out of Cheesecake, and he goes, I love you. I didn't know what to say. Thank you. Like, I'm not saying that. I had, we were laughing about this. I didn't say I love you for like six weeks. And he's such a great friend. He just kept saying it. And he would say it even more. He would text me. I love you. Like, he just kept going at me. See, here, here's, here's what's so shallow. That people would ever look at us and think the biggest difference between us was he's black and I'm white. You know, one of the things he's taught me more than any other human being on the earth, that one of the most beautiful things God did was create a tapestry of differences. I have learned more from Tim Ross than just about anybody on the planet. I've learned a different perspective. I've learned a different way of life. The guy's a vegan. I was born in Texas. Like we eat red meat with our cereal in the morning. The list is so long. But here's one of the things God taught me through our relationship, that unity begins with being different. And the more different we are, and the closer we choose to be, because unity is always a choice, remember, the closer we choose to be, the more impressive and anointed our unity actually is. And I want to read you something I've never seen in Scripture before that I felt like the Lord showed me this week. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, now he's talking about crafting the anointing oil, just so you have context. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest of spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these, these different ingredients, a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. The divine blend of different things made the oil holy. See, we just think about the anointing oil just being olive oil from some olives. God was specific in his recipe for his divinely anointed oil. And it involved very different ingredients. I just want to talk for a moment about Jacob Blake. And here's one of my concerns about what I'm seeing. And I want to speak, especially to those of us who maybe are in a place where it's almost as though we've, we've seen enough of this and we're getting numb to this. We cannot get numb. Now, please, I am not trying to be political. And here's what I believe the enemy is doing, trying to make personal issues into political issues. Somebody was shot seven times in the back. 
Well, Preston, he was doing this and doing that. You don't know that and I don't know either. I just know his back was turned. And, and hear me, one of the ways that unity, and we're gonna talk about this in two weeks, one of the ways that unity is killed is by turning things into issues that are really just agendas. We need to be praying that God would use his church to be the, the force that it doesn't divide, but that unites, that helps make right the wrongs. And I don't like it when several of my African-American friends feel like they've seen so much of this this year that you can just tell they feel this close to just throwing their hands up and going, it's just never gonna change. Okay, in that moment, that is when unity is tested. Because when one doesn't wanna hold hands, the other goes on in. When one doesn't wanna hug, the other one goes on in. When the other one doesn't wanna say I love you, the other one keeps saying I love you. Sometimes one of us needs to do a little bit more than the other. That's how unity is maintained. We have a responsibility as the church, first and foremost, to celebrate the differences of all of the various ingredients that comprise the family of God. And if you're the type of person who just likes people who are like you, no matter what like you looks like, you're gonna be sorely disappointed in heaven. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, why? Because there's beauty in diversity. Unity is strongest when it can be tested by many differences. Now I want to show you in Psalm 133 what the flow of this oil of unity looks like. Psalm 133 verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Get the picture. This oil that is being referred to isn't a drop like the old school drop on the forehead. God said, of Aaron, hey, pour that oil all over him. He needs to be covered up so that he understands he is completely consecrated for his work, this work I've chosen for him. The oil flows, it is overwhelmingly, extravagantly dumped in any church that fights for unity in the name of Jesus. We don't have to agree on everything. But we've got to stay unified. Listen, we have enough enemies coming at all of us. We don't need to turn one another into more of them. This is our moment as the church. While everyone else is being divided, we can be known for unity. And here's what God says. If you will be known for unity, I will dump my oil on your house. You want some of that action? Don't just get along with the people around you. Unify. Come together. When the oil of unity flows, 
supernatural things happen in a divided world. The oil of unity has always been and always will be essential in the churches whose light shines brightest in darkness. I do not believe that a church can be fully anointed to do the work of the kingdom on the earth in these divided days without a commitment to unity. Here's point number six, the oil of the Holy Spirit. The oil of the Holy Spirit. First Samuel chapter 16, I'll give you the context very quickly. God has spoken to the prophet Samuel and he says, hey, I am done with King Saul. That's it. And now I'm going to appoint a new king. And I'm going to use you to find him. Go to the house of Jesse. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house. And we, we, most of us know the story. He starts with the tallest, strongest, the one who looked most like the king, probably. And God said, nope, that's not him. Went to the next one. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Goes down the line till he gets to the last one. God says, no, that's not him. Samuel says, is there anybody else? Are there any other sons? And Jesse says, well, there's basically the runt out in the field with the goats and the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him in. Now let me read to you what happens. David comes in. Verse 12, 1 Samuel 16. David walks in and the Lord says, arise, anoint him. For this is he. He is the next king of Israel. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, dumped the entire horn of oil on David's head. Now watch what happens next after Samuel anoints him with oil. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. This is one of the most important one-liners. There are two in the rest of this message that I want you to write down. This is one of the most important one-liners I feel like the Lord's given me in a while. The most important moment in David's life was not when he cut off Goliath's head. It was when Samuel anointed his head. See, everybody looks at David and goes, ha, his whole life is defined. Goliath, Goliath put him on the map. I wholeheartedly disagree. It was when he was anointed and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day forward. Everything David did after his anointing, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, everything he did from that moment forward that was good, that was incredible, that for some was unbelievable, it's all to be attributed back to the Spirit of God, not to David. None of it could have been done without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it another way. Goliath doesn't fall in front of David if the Holy Spirit doesn't first fall upon David. Chew on that one this week. Goliath doesn't fall in front of David if the Holy Spirit doesn't first fall upon David. Let's talk about Jesus in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus is baptized in water. After his baptism, so he's coming up out of the water. As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit descends, anoints him, descends upon him. 
Think about this. If you feel you can pull off your calling without the help of the Holy Spirit, you need to reassess yourself. If you think you can do what you do without the help of the Holy Spirit, you need to reassess what you're doing because what you're doing isn't much. One of the ways you know you are walking in God's will is every morning you wake up and say, Holy Spirit, come, I need you. I need your anointing today. I need you to be present in my life. I need you to speak today. I don't know what to do. It's like Solomon, I'm but a boy and I do not know my way around. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Now I wonder, if we were in the same boat, what percentage of believers in the church today, if they were coming up out of the waters of baptism and everyone saw that the Holy Spirit was descending upon them, I wonder how many believers would be guilty of the following. Get off me. You are, you are the crazy one. Don't you get on me. You're like crazy cousin Eddie. Get off. And I know it's kind of funny to make light of, but I'm just trying to be sensitive in a funny way to a real problem in the church today. I think it's possible there are far too many believers who are looking at the Holy Spirit and saying, get off me. You're the weird one. Here is the most important liner I think I've gotten in years. And it's, it's strong, not in, a, in an against you way, but really in an exposing the enemy's plan type of way. And I want every person to write this down. Every one of you watching online in this room at Tempe, I want every one of you to write this down. So get your phone out. If you're not taking notes, put it in your phone. It'll be up on the screen. Before you get saved, Satan's number one goal is to keep you away from Jesus. Once you get saved, Satan's number one goal is to keep you away from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why? Because Satan knows the Bible. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Think about this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Of course, before salvation, the devil tries to keep you away from Jesus. And of course, once you're saved, the devil tries to keep you away from the Holy Spirit. The last thing he wants is for you to realize what you are capable of in partnership with the spirit of the living God. And if Jesus said, it is better for you that I go so that the Father can send the spirit. For those of us who are slightly anti-Holy Spirit without fully knowing it, you need to do a deep dive. Go back and listen to some of our series on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do his work. You know what the world needs more of in this day and time? Not you at your best. The world needs more of you led by the Holy Spirit. I wanna read you one more passage because I feel like this, this was a word 
Um, this is a, a chapter of scripture that the Lord's used with me for years, as much or more than any other passage other than Matthew chapter six. Zechariah chapter four, if you put a marker there, go ahead and open up to it. We're gonna read about this vision that Zechariah has. That Zechariah chapter four is talking about. Verse one, now the angel who talked with me came back and awakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking. And I see a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. So get the picture. You might call it a menorah. Lampstand, seven lamps, and above each lamp is like seven funnels. See it clearly. Verse 3. Two olive trees are by the lampstand, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know who these are, what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is it right here. When we talk about the division on the earth, when we talk about the problems we're facing in our communities, there isn't a politician in all the world who can solve these problems. Only God can do that. We need more of the spirit of the living God in our everyday lives. And I believe what God's saying to us. Here is the plan in these days. It's not your strategy, Preston. It's not your gifting. It's not your strength or your might. Here is the plan to take over the earth. My Holy Spirit. Everything that happens for my kingdom, just like with David, will be attributed to my Holy Spirit. I want to read you one more quote that I read this week. This is not mine. This is from Vance Havner, a brilliantly strong theological one-liner machine back in the day. He said this, we say we depend on the Holy Spirit, but actually we are so wired up with our own devices that if the fire does not fall from heaven, we can turn on a switch and produce false fire of our own. If there's no sound of a rushing mighty wind, we have the furnace all set to blow hot air instead. Listen to this next line. God save us from a synthetic Pentecost. I'm going to be honest with you. So I was sitting with my best friend this week and we're talking about some of the problems on the earth. I don't have the solutions. But I know who does. 
and it is time for the church of God to stop talking more about candidates than we talk about the king. Hear my heart. I understand the role politics and local government play in our nation. But I'm a temporary resident of this country. And so I will not devote the bulk of my time focused on temporary residency. I will fix my eyes on the eternal king who said it is good that I go temporarily so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. But you cannot pull off what God created you to pull off in this season of your life, absent of the Holy Spirit and an intimate relationship with him. What the earth needs is not more of us. What the earth needs is more of him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to take the communion elements there at Tempe, here in Scottsdale. And for those of you joining us at home doing communion along with us, just go ahead and take out the bread. Once you have the bread in hand, just hold on to it. And I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to remember that we are not a part of a club. We are a part of a kingdom. And the king, capital K, of this eternal kingdom laid his life down so that we could be a part of this kingdom. We're not just a part of a club. We're not just part of a family. We are a part of the kingdom, capital K. And as a part of the kingdom, we have a responsibility. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do his work on the earth in his appointed season. And as we take communion today and we remember what Christ did for us, the anointed one, I want us all to remember that Jesus could not have done what he did without the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And in the same way, we must be reminded we can't either. The night of the Last Supper, Jesus took some bread. His disciples had no idea the depth of what Jesus was doing. This was no normal Passover Seder. Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body 
which is broken for you. Every time you eat of this bread, I want you to remember me. Let's take the bread. In the same way, that night, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Covers all of your sins. Without this blood, we could not be a part of this kingdom. And so Jesus shed his so that we could be a part of his kingdom. As we take this cup, let us remember Jesus, but let us also remember we are to take our place within the kingdom, advancing the agenda of the kingdom, which is the message of this blood. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. Let's take the cup. You can just set your cup down on the ground at the campuses for a moment, and then when we dismiss, you can grab it and throw it away. But I just want you to take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I just want, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus died, was raised to new life, and returned to the side of the Father. So that the Holy Spirit could be sent to be our daily empowering agent, not genie. The God who empowers from within. I want us to take just a moment set ourselves apart. Let's just let the Holy Spirit speak, address, guide, convict, call up, call out. Let's just let him speak. this room, whether you're at Tempe, whether you're joining us online, whether you're watching 
later in the week or months later. And you don't know Jesus, not just as Lord and Savior, but as friend. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than to lay his life down for his friend. Did you know, if you don't know Jesus personally, the God of the universe wants to be friends with you. And if you'd say, I don't know Jesus personally, but I want to be friends with God. I know it's time for change in my life wherever you are. If you know it's time, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to put your hand up if that's you. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Love it. You can put your hands down. That's what I'm talking about. Anybody else? I want to know Jesus as friend. If he died to be my friend, I want to be his friend because nobody has ever died for me. Anybody else? If you raised your hand, I just want you to pray this prayer after me in your heart. Dear Jesus, I want to be friends. I believe you're the son of God who came to die in my place. I believe God raised you from the dead. And because you were raised to life, I believe I can live a new life. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you forgive me of everything that's gotten in the way of our friendship? Jesus, I want to be friends with you forever. Here's my life. Take all of me. I love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something. Just text the name Jesus to the number 24587 simply to create a point of connection so that if you have any questions, if you need any resources, if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. We just want to make sure you're set up. We're actually building out newbelievers.com because we so believe that what God is doing in this new season, many are going to come to Christ. And it isn't just about saying yes to Jesus and going all in. It's about laying the foundation that is required in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you gave your life to Christ today, Just text Jesus to the number 24587. We just want to celebrate with you. All right? I'm going to pray a blessing and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you. Thank you for your oil. We declare, we know our need for oil in these days. But we need it in all days. May we stand up and take our place in your kingdom as sons and daughters of the Most High God. May we live lives in such a way that it necessitates the oil only you could give. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower every one of us in new ways this week, 
that every room we would walk into, we would know you go in with us and there's something in that room you want to be done. May we be so sensitive to you that we walk in it in that moment and follow your prompting and leading. Would you use us to light up some really dark places this week? In Christ's mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.